Hello, everybody. It's Roy Hellick here for Woodward Tigers. I want to thank Chris Casanelli from Barstool Sports to join us. And I'm putting this disclaimer out there because the audio quality on the feed between Uber and Chris gave us some issues, and I did the best that I could to clean it up. So I want to apologize for the bad quality audio, but you can find the episode on our Woodward channel, excuse me, on our YouTube channel at Woodward Tigers. So please subscribe to that. Please subscribe to the Tiger Matter Report channel in case you haven't already. So there's going to be no show this week. We're taking a week off. Pending. If anything happens, of course, we'll be doing a video and we'll have some news out there, of course. And Chris just Chris Brown just dropped a article about Scott Harris. You can find it over at WoodwardSports.com. All right. Welcome to another edition of Woodward Tigers here at WoodwardSports.com. I'm Rogelio Castillo. Alongside me is Chris, John, and we're in studio tonight. John's holding down the ones and twos, so he's our sound engineer for this evening. And we have a kind of a special little booth thing going here. Our technical director, Chris Blatty, and Jeremy, our former, our two former SRD. So it's kind of a, a sportsreadytroit.com reunion over here, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. And I'm glad these guys are on my staff. So we're, the reason why we have a special, before we get our special guest, of course, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. But so we have a content table of the masses. So the one person that's missing is Cody Saberhagen, who has been traveling to New Orleans, having a good old time, having all this barbecue and everything. But we have two of the best in the business right in front of me in the power. I like to call it the power chair earlier, and we had a good laugh about it. Scott Bentley from Lockdown Tigers. Hello. Yeah, happy to be here, man. I like sitting here. I think this is like my chair. I really like this. <laughs> All you need is just a little like coffee mug thing right there. Yeah, right. right. I need a nameplate. I want yeah. like a name tag. TV yeah. tray. <laughs> TV tray. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us live from his home in parts unknown because I don't want to tell everybody where he lives. <laughs> and it, it is the, the host, uh, multi-talented gentleman who just learned how to smoke for the first time. Chris Castanelli from Barstool Sports. Chris, welcome. What, what's going on, guys? I'm actually, believe it or not, I'm actually not at my my home. I'm at the at the home of a friend of the program, Anthony Broom, who is uh, staying at his place this evening. This week has been crazy. I apologize for not being in studio. It's nice to see Scott sitting on the iron throne there, looking looking fly as hell. But uh, it's been a crazy week. I'm traveling to Baton Rouge tomorrow. Uh, nice. So Anthony has been kind enough to. Lends his services and allow me to stay at his place, which is something he's done many a time over the last year plus. But uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. It should be, it should be a fun show. Awesome. Yeah. Broom is actually a neighbor. He lives not too far from me. So tell Anthony I said hello. Uh, he, was telling me, he was telling me that just a minute ago. So, yeah. yeah. We're in the Planet Fitness Studios, and ironically enough, I always see him at Planet Fitness. So there we go. We got our uh, plug in. So a lot to get to this evening. As we're going to be talking, I wanted to get these two gentlemen in because we wanted to talk about the end of the season. There's a lot of things going on with, of course, free agency and just their thoughts overall. And so I think it's important to have a wide variety of opinions about this. And especially because I, I, Chris has been doing a lot of really good stuff on the national side of things. And Scott does this every single day. So he understands the misery. I mean, the, the, the good work to put in for this. But, yeah, so we're going to talk about... What the Tigers have disappointed? I'm going to ask them what they have disappointed about the season and some other uh, random questions too. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the MLB postseason and Justin Verlander. Chris, last night that that tweet you had about him beating Yankee Killer was fantastic. 
there are, there are a lot of awesome tweets. When you're in the playoffs this many times, I think Verlander's up to about 32, 33 starts in the postseason. He's basically got a whole extra season in the, in the postseason. And uh, yeah, I, I saw, what did he have? He, he broke the record for most strikeouts for any pitcher in the playoffs, right? So, yeah. Yeah, he's just doing his thing. And that's that's one thing about Justin Verlander that you can, every time in the, in this year alone, his, his season's been outstanding. I'll start with you, Scott. What we're seeing right now with Justin Verlander seems it's unhuman, and then we have to kind of free, freeze frame this. I mean, outside of Nolan Ryan, we haven't seen a guy like this perform at, at such an advanced level. Yeah, I mean, the, the age and coming off of injury and everything. He had a crazy quote that they said during his start last night where they asked him about his future and just about like how, how much longer he plans on pitching because he's made very public his goal of, oh, I want to pitch till I'm 45. And yeah, they, they said during the game that he, he pretty much said, you're going to have to rip the jersey off of me, which is very, I feel like on brand for Justin Verlander. But yeah, it's, it's unprecedented, something that we've, that we've never really seen before. And yeah, I mean, a lot of people love to make the Tom Brady comparison and rightfully so, except Tom didn't have a major arm surgery right before he turned 40 on top of that and then come back and still throw 98 in the seventh. So, yeah. And and Chris, for you, I mean, this is something that I've heard you talk about this numerous times. It's just, I think going in there in a situation that Houston has not lost in the postseason yet, you mentioned that, but this Yankees lineup, of course, Aaron Judge, the, the usual suspects a little bit, but to go in there in that kind of pressure pack situation and just, just like it's like ma- watching Masterclass or something. Oh, I should say Castanelli. Sorry, because we have two Chris's. I forgot about that. <laughs> what it comes down to is Justin Verlander, and I believe that's obviously the best way possible. Justin Verlander just doesn't make sense. The career path he's had, the long get coming back with Thomas John, with more than any other pitcher in baseball, pitching the way that he has. And- Look, his first start in the postseason fair you know, because it made, it made me wonder. It's like what, every time I think is this the moment we start seeing the come to life. Like, he has an outing like he did last night, and I, I tweeted it out. I didn't think he looked that great in two, three innings, but it was what Verlander does best: he settled in, double-digit strikeouts. It's amazing what he's done, and it's amazing how he's performed throughout this season. And uh, they're a team, especially if they win tonight, that is in the driver's seat win another world championship. I mean, I when when the Tigers traded for him, and we can talk about the trade all we want, we have and not my expectation was he has maybe two really good years left. Not Cy Young years, but really good season. For him to be five years deep post trade and be pitching at a level that we probably haven't seen him pitch at since he won the MVP in two thousand eleven. It's just a guy that defies all time. And you have to give him a ton of credit for the way he's taking care of his body. And you have to give a ton of credit for the way that he's adjusting. Now, of course, he's still throwing 97, 98, but he's not the 101, 102 guy that we saw in his heyday in Detroit. He's adjusted. He's become craftier. His off-speed stuff has developed better. And, of course, you have to give a lot of credit to the National Organization. He does a great job with, with developing uh, consistency from the starters. It's a joy to watch every time. He is to this generation what no one line was to a previous time. He's a five-yard every time he goes out there. Well, yeah, and to your point, Chris, I, I, I felt the same way about his start last night where he, the first two, three innings, he, he was at like 45 pitches, 
And there was like a, a moment in there where he, he threw a slider. It was a called strike, but uh, Maldonado had just called time. And then the next pitch, he threw the exact same pitch, and Stanton laced it for a double. And it was like from that point on, he just got upset <laughs> and started firing his fastball past guys. And from the, he was able to, to get his breaking ball, which before that point, even in his first start, just seemed like it was hanging constantly. Like he was short-arming it or something like that. And, and uh, he found it. And then what? Eight straight or six straight strikeouts, eleven straight batters retire. Yeah, it was it was dominant, and like I don't, we have seen this sort of thing before, but it's from like the best of the best, right? You, you guys mentioned Nolan Ryan. We we saw this from Roger Clemens at this age, and like Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson. But these are all Hall of Fame guys, and that's that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a Hall of Fame pitcher doing things that most pitchers can't do, and. What we haven't seen, and you touched on it, Chris, was somebody come back from Tommy John surgery and do this. That's the, the craziest thing. <laughs> guys 25 years old come back from Tommy John surgery, and they're not the same. So what Verlander's done is, is remarkable. And by the way, Uber is with us, too. I, yeah, I, I, I didn't see Uber on the screen, so that's my apologies. Uber, what were your thoughts about Verlander's start last night? Well, I mean, I think it's echoing a lot of what was already said. He found it with the heater was eating up the Yankees. But he got his curveball back from his previous, his breaking stuff back from his previous outing. And that was all the difference in the world. I think the guy back in the last year, I was all about if he was willing to come back, go get him. I thought he was a really safe bet to age well. I think he makes a run of 300 wins. Yeah. I mean, the only picture that comes to mind, too, that I can think of at a younger, at an older age that performed at this kind of level was John Smoltz to a certain yeah. extent. I mean, Smoltz really, but then I think, I think Smoltz was more of pitch to contact. I mean, he's, he's talked about it himself. After his injury, he had to kind of adjust the kind of way he was as a pitcher. And, again, even this is him closing. So he had another – he had to be a closer. Yeah. But didn't have that same kind of stuff he had as a starter. So he he had to think about it a little differently. So usually when you see a starter, like the second career of a, a starter that was – a dominant starter is usually a reliever in their second life, if you will. Yeah, and I think Smoltz had a surgery – he would have been 33, 34 or something like that? Yeah, he was 33, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, we just, it, it's, it's, it's unnatural what Verlander's doing. And, and it's so, like, that makes it all the more fun to watch and kind of embrace. It, it's a shame that he's not still on the Tigers, of course, but uh, still fun to watch. He was our guy. Yeah, and in Houston, again, uh, uh, Jordan Alvarez, by the way. Can we talk about Jordan Alvarez for a moment? We should just, just talk about Houston. But, well, yeah, Houston in general. Yeah. Yeah. No, Houston in general, but Chris, I'll start with you on... This Houston team that just seems Jeremy Pena growing on trees, just the, the ability to, you mentioned this earlier, the ability to develop. But what I, I think the most impressive thing I've seen this postseason was their bullpen against Seattle. You go in extra innings, you shut down a team that's riding on a motion. But I don't know, what, what are your thoughts about Houston going into the series against the Yankees? I think if they win tonight, it's almost over, I would say. I mean, if they go up 2-0, and I know, look, Cole and Cortez have been great uh, uh, so far this postseason, but I don't see him winning four out of five and pulling this thing out. I think that the further we get from the, the sign-stealing scandal, and I, I've written blogs about this, and I've gotten some heat for it at signs, but the further we get from it, the more inclined I am to say that Houston wanted that. They have gone on three years since ever, all of that broke, the group itself to be an organization that is not just capable of being competitive, but capable of being a leader. And in, in the time in which all of that broke, 
Yeah. They lost the ALCS in Tokyo. Um, they lost the World Series last year. And they're on the verge of getting back to the World Series again this year. And if they get there, they will be the, the prohibitive favorite once again. I mean, I just, uh, that, that is a great point you make about the bullpen. Because you talk about El Cruz, you talk about Bregman and Alvarez. But I think that they, they're so talented and top heavy that it gets overlooked how good that bullpen is. I, I talked about this one of the videos I made. If they end up winning this thing, we're gonna this bullpen will be up there with the ten fifty Royals and one of those like if you get to the sixth benefit game, that that's what makes them so scary is, is how deep and good they are at developing the team. And even if it's not starting the, the depth of that bullpen and that eighteen inning game is a prime example of that, right? Where you get a colors to six and you get everybody else to twelve and you end up pulling out a one nothing game. If they continue to pick at that level this will be one of those historically good pitching staffs that we've talked about for a long time. Yeah, definitely. And, and for you, Scott, the, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about their, in terms of the rotation, too, this is a rotation that's not household names. This is Verlander being the biggest name on there, and they built it through their system, which we'll, we'll get to with the Tigers here in a, in a few. But that is what I... I the international side of things, how Houston's executed that to perfection. Yeah, and it's it's something that, I mean, we can do the comparisons and whatnot to the Detroit Tigers and how irrelevant international signing was for this organization for ever, like l- literally forever. And so uh, I think that that's, that's, when you look at just period, not even in Houston, just all the best players in the game of baseball, guess what? A lot of them are international signings. And guess what the Tigers never did? Sign internationally. So, like, that that was a, a really big frustration for me. And and seeing, like like you said, all of the, the homegrown talent that they've been able to produce and to be able to lose, like, Garrett Cole and then lose Carlos Correa on the offensive side of things and just go, oh, we'll be fine. And then, like, them actually being fine is nothing short of unbelievable. And that's that's what good organizations do. They continue to find – you don't even need people to step up and be seven, eight, nine, ten win players in, in place of these dudes that they're losing. You just need some, like, two to three win players. And, like, that's they're, – they're just a factory and they're, they're – Farm system isn't necessarily ever ranked, at least these days, like super duper high, but it just doesn't matter because they develop and, and, and they produce talent like that. And, yeah, and I was, I mean, you, you mentioned that the bats that are gone, they, they've also lost Garrett Cole, Charlie Morton. They, they've lost, and beyond that, like the brain drain. They have no business being that good at developing still. They lost. You lost uh, Lunau, you lost Hinch, you lost Mike Elias and Sig Magdal, you lost Mike Fast, all these guys who helped build this organization, but it, it doesn't seem to matter. It's almost like they created this autonomous monster that's just producing players. They, Raj touched on, on Jeremy Pena, third-round pick out of Maine, I think, right? Yeah. But, but Chaz McCormick, Chaz, <laughs> 21st-round pick out of Millersville College, which I think is, yeah. I'm, I'm 100% sure that's just a fake school, that someone's like, yeah, I'm from Millersville college but yeah so that's it to scott's point that's he was like a, just a, a one and a half two war player this year but they just grow those guys out of nowhere and yeah it, it's it's just a, a dominant team well built across the board ready for the playoffs and yeah i, I tend to agree if they if they win tonight i think it's probably uh, curtains for the yankees curtains i tell you no and and, and the, the thing is too remember we we heard about their they have that they had that special radar gun that was for, for tracking spin that all their scouts had that and that's the kind of advantage they have so for the yankees too i mean in terms 
Luis Luis Aravino gets to start tonight against uh, Framber Valdez, and the the Yankees rotation seems to be kind of again a little bit of a homegrown. But you have Garrett Cole. Let's move to the National League real quick. Padres and Phillies, both those games in San Diego were very exciting. And this is a question I'm going to ask the entire group here, but about David Dombrowski. He's back again, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. He cannot. I, and this is a this is a question that I'm, I I thought about this question very thoroughly. This does this Dave Dombrowski team look like every single team that the Tigers have built? Two or three good starters on the top, a bullpen that goes eh, maybe bad defense, but a lot of power. Chris Castanelli, go ahead. Well, it's it's. Correct, 100%. They share the exact same DNA that Tiger team shared. Not so much that 2018 Red Sox team, though. I would say, and I love the Red there was a built-in core that was kind of unavoidable there. That was part of the school. But this Phillies team, you're right. I think their base running is kind of comical. I think that defensively, they're a bit of a joke. Their bullpen's always going to make you sweat. What they have are a bunch of guys to get for power. But beyond that, it's what founded on just great starting. And I know Nola stood it up yesterday with a bit concerning. But they have two starters in Wheeler and Nola that, at their best, are capable of probably picking and beating any good lineup. And I think that's what they've gotten so far in this postseason. They, the, the thing about Dombrowski teams in the postseason is that there is kind of a one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to how they win. You're not going to win winning 11 to 10 games. You're going to do it pitching really well, hitting for power, and praying to God that your bullpen doesn't spit it up. Now, up to this point, that's exactly what they've done. That, that Time is a flat circle, and I said this in one of the videos I made. The series they played against the Braves was a mirror image of the 2006 Tigers series against the Yankees, where you lose one of the first two on the road, uh, you go back home, and not only do you win, but you pitch out of your mind, you hit for power, and you kind of blow their doors off. There's just there's just some magic that comes with him as an owner. or I, as, I'm sorry, as, as a GM. I, I don't know if it's sustainable. But they're kind of giving me 2019 national vibes, where I think there are tremendous flaws on this team, apparent flaws that are very capable of being exploited. And yet, we're kind of yet to reach a point where they've been popped for it. It's a, it's a very unique storyline, and further proof that this is a, a Hall of Fame executive that uh, has done it in four different locations. For what about you? I mean, you're the, I know you're our historian on this, but. What were your thoughts about the Dave Dombrowski way? But Dave Dombrowski is just is so amazing that he has that ability to take the imperfect and assemble it into something that functions at a high level, especially at this time of year. You can just imagine when they had uh, Schwarber in their sights. Uh, he must have just been kind of doing that evil laugh of saying, he's my kind of guy. He's going to pop a few into the stands when you need it. And you're just... It's amazing that he's found that formula and he's stubbornly stuck to it no matter how much it came in and out of style over the over his career. It's very impressive. I like the Phillies. I mean, I've been a big Bryce Harper fan since the day he won that big home run contest when he was 15 years old at the top. And it's really fun to see him kind of leading his team in this direction. I, I think they got a really good shot. Well, they had their up four and up in yesterday. It looked like they were really in good shape. But I think now they go home and I think they can take it to the podcast. 
What about you, Scott? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's remarkable. And like, if you just look at the the, I guess, playoff droughts, I guess I would say that he has ended. Right, like you talk about when. He takes over the Phillies. They haven't made the playoffs in a long time. Obviously, the Tigers had their issues before he showed up. The Marlins were just, like, pretty new and, and hadn't done whatever since, I guess, 97. But, like, it, it's, it's just crazy because he just keeps finding success, like, everywhere he goes. And, and the big knock, obviously, everywhere that he leaves, everybody looks around and goes, oh, my goodness, you depleted our farm system. Well, you just set us back forever. Well, he won. So, like, I don't know, grow up. Like, <laughs> he, like he, he, he wins everywhere he goes. He has won literally every, and it's not just like, oh, he turned us into like a, like a, I don't know, like an above 500 team or like what, like he, he wins and goes deep into the postseason everywhere he has been. I don't care what the farm system looks like after if it, if it leads us to, to the promised land, I guess. I mean, you guys covered just about everything with Dabrowski. I, I, I wonder if Red Sox fans kind of regret running him out of town. I don't, I don't think Dave Dabrowski is trading off Mookie Betts, but maybe I'm mistaken there. So I, I do want to talk about the Padres a bit. I don't yes, know if anybody else has something to say about uh, I mean, the Phillies are fun, but it's, the Padres are pretty damn fun, too. And one of the things Jake Bowes mentioned in our, in our Discord chat was it's fun to see these teams like the Braves last year and the Padres this year, where all the moves they made at the trade deadline are paying off now in the playoffs. They didn't necessarily pay off for them during the regular season. Josh Hader was really rough, but so far in the postseason, I think he's five innings, one hit, ten strikeouts. Like, he's been dominant. Yesterday, the they came back from four-run deficit. That takes some guts in the playoffs, and it was started by Drury and Bell, who both hit home runs. They were on the team earlier in the year, and... I don't know. I, at some point, I want to talk about Manny Machado because maybe I'm just not in the, traveling the right circles, but I feel like people don't appreciate how good he is. Like he, he, Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Seriously. Like, he, he, he has, he's 30. This was his age 29 season. He's at 52 war already. That's, that's the, Holy f- the fourth highest ever but through age 29 behind Eddie Matthews, Ron Santo, and George Brett. So three Hall of Famers. He's, he's above of... Jose Ramirez above Arenado, above Mike Schmidt. He's got the most hits ever for a third baseman through the age 29 season. Yeah, and, and so, like, and he's, <laughs> he's got an opt-out after next year. It'll be 31. I have to think that he's going to opt out. I mean, he's, he'll be due, like, he's got four more years at 30 million, but somebody's going to sign him for seven-plus years, I think, because, yeah, he, he's an all-timer. So, I don't know. I, I just I don't hear him. I, I guess because he hasn't had that one monster season he's just every year he's gonna hit 280 with 30 home runs and play well above average defense and, uh, i don't know I mean, maybe it's because he played in baltimore and nobody cares about baltimore and then he was just one of many in la and now he's kind of one of many in san diego well i think the reason why but why i like manny machado is because he's a classic throwback in the sense of like you look at his stats this is a guy that remember when 30 home runs meant something he's had six 30 or more home run seasons and that was a good season Growing up was if they had 35 home runs and 100 RBIs, and that's what he does. He's done that the 100 RBIs. He was playing some really bad Baltimore teams, but he's only had 100 RBIs just three times. Mm-hmm. Still, the point is, though, I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that all day. Yeah. I don't, I, uh, to me, it's uh, you're right. He's not talked about enough, based off the fact that it, it, San Diego plays little brother to LA, the yeah. Dodgers, even to the Angels to a certain extent. To a certain extent. 
But I was, I thought the Dodgers were going to roll through, but the, I was wrong. And because the Padres, even another move that uh, has been beneficial, Nick Martinez, they've had the some really, the bullpen has been, they match up very well against anybody they're going to play. But the, the Josh Bell thing, I thought originally when they signed, or when they, excuse me, traded for Josh Bell, I was like, oh, they're just, now they're grandstanding. But yeah, no, they're, no, but yeah, they're just yeah adding pieces to add pieces now. But yeah, I mean they're getting help from all these guys. So I don't know. It, it's a fun, fun couple of series here in the. Uh... Yeah, who do you? So who do you guys think has the most pressure on the Phillies or, or the Padres? Because you know neither of them have been to a World Series in a while. Padres have never won one, so I feel like there's pressure on both of them. You know, now that they've gotten to this point to to finish the job. I, I think there's more pressure on the Padres because they haven't reached the World Series since 98. Oh, it was 98 against the Yankees? That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. against yeah, the Sterling Hitchcock days. And that was that was a team that was virtually carried on the arm of Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown. So I think it's more My pressure. Cousin. Yeah, Kevin Brown. And the Phillies won the World Series in 2009? Yeah, 2008. 2008. 2008. Yankees yeah. were in 09. Yeah, that's right. So I think there's more pressure out of for San Diego to win. I think yeah. Philly, Philly this year... Surprised a lot. I feel like was expected to get to the postseason, but I think personally, for San Diego, the the, the moves they made, the sacrifices, the, the trade prospects, in terms of even for Sam, whatever was his last name, the the general manager. The, oh, AJ was it Preller? Yeah, AJ Preller. Yeah, yeah. Sam. AJ Preller has a lot of pressure on him because he's spent a lot of money, and they've done a lot to get to this point, and they had nothing to show for it until the season. Because yeah. remember the Padres last year were the Talk of the post preseason before. collapsed in the second half. Yeah, they, they totally, yeah. yeah, they totally blew it. So, I think this is in getting contributions from the guy, likes likes of Profar. You have the, the Juan Soto trade hasn't looked good on paper based off his numbers, but again, I think they'll be okay there. Yeah, they'll be okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. former Tiger Creek Jose Alzacar is there too. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> the, well, yeah, yeah, eerie special there. But uh, speaking of the Tigers, let's move on to the Tigers and the Rule Five. So the Tigers right now. The Rule 5 players are eligible. I wanted to ask the, the panel here about who they like to keep. So Chris did a really good piece on TigerMindLittleReport.com in regards to the players that are eligible. And so I'll start with, I'll start with you, Chris Castanelli. In terms of the players you'd like to see uh, on this list, and should the Tigers go kind of what Cleveland did last year? As you recall, Cleveland basically kept all the Rule 5 player elig- players eligible. Yeah. The, the first name that comes to mind here, just because I, and it, it's Scott Harris is very tough to take, I think, as a fan for a kind of a head stretch and I think it's a I'm not going to believe every pharmacist has a plethora of history now. I do not believe that every pharmacist has a plethora I like Greg from the this year, so I, that's my pick. There's several others that we can look at. I, I think maybe a power number ten. I, think so I look at the old. To me, that's a guy that, and hopefully he doesn't fall. So I, I would, uh, I would protect a solely based on the fact that I saw a lot of strike. All right, Youper, what about you? Well, I think you kind of poked at where I wanted to go. Cleveland made sure they kept their guys and kind of went young. I think Scott Harris can't feel free to let go of the, the, either of the Castros. And as much as I love Dick Reyes, 
probably be a fourth expunged off the 40-man roster. And I think they should really lead toward keeping the young players who are just becoming eligible this year. We've, we've bandied about all the names, Meadows and Perez, and et cetera. But I think that's probably the way to go. I, I wouldn't doubt he's going to not attach his first season to any of the captains. What about you, Scott? I mean, I think that you coming to this team every day and having that kind of, like, we, we've talked to minor leagues quite a bit. You saw, I mean, we, we, you and I are both part of an exclusive fan club that is hold and dear to our hearts. But, uh, yeah, let's. let's. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I, I think the two slam dunk options for protecting are Meadows and Resource. And I think that those are the two pretty self-explanatory ones. But. I, I'll tell you what, I'll probably cry if Lipsius is not, if Andre Lipsius is not protected. Um, and not that that guarantees that he's going to go elsewhere or whatnot, but I, I, he, he's an on-base percentage monster. And uh, at certain levels, more walks than strikeouts, he, he's the man. And I think with what we know about Scott Harris, I think that that fits his build pretty well as on top of that, and we'll see. I mean, we, we won't really know what a quote-unquote Scott Harris player is, I guess, yeah. until until after the offseason or at least you know, maybe a full calendar year under his belt. But based on what we've heard and what we know, I think that, that a player like Lipsius fits the bill pretty well. So I, I, I think that the, the two very obvious, I guess, for lack of a better term, ones are Olsen and Meadows. And then once you get past that, there, there's a lot of conversations. And I'd like those conversations to start with Andre Lipsius, yes. Yeah. What about, what about you, Chris? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's like a 95% chance you're going to get Perez, you're going to get Meadows, you're going to get Reese Olsen. I think Lipsius is probably up there on 80%. I, I'm pretty sure that they'll, they'll add him. The, the one guy that I've been kind of curious about to see what they do is Elvis Alvarado, which is a reliever. They took him in the AAA portion of the Rule 5 draft last year. Roger, you wrote an article about it. And he was a, an outfielder, converted outfielder, never threw any strikes. And this year, suddenly he just found the strike zone. They did, they did something with him. And he, we saw him in Erie a couple times sitting 97 to 100 with arm side movement, pounding the strike zone. He's got a slider and a changeup. They're okay. But uh, Tigers don't have a lot of really hard throwers in, in their system at all right now. They, they were in the bottom of baseball in terms of strikeouts and, and velocity i think so yeah he's just in uh, there's a, there's like like the game within the game with the, the the rule five draft where you might be able to say we can we we don't have to protect lipsius because nobody's gonna keep him on their roster all year long right right I, you probably don't want to take that chance but p teams stash relievers all the time so you might play that game and go all right well this this guy is a great find for us let's stash him too so he's, he's the guy that I have, like, right around 40 to 50% that they might add. But I think you, you guys touched on the other four. And, uh, but, yeah, just the, 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 to Yoop's point about Scott Harris, uh, getting rid of the guys. I, I got an article that should be coming out tonight or tomorrow. I went back and looked at all the, the basically the trades, waiver claims, free agents, minor league free agents that the Giants made since Scott Harris got there. And then just for comparison's sake, I looked at the Tigers, all the moves the Tigers made at the same time frame. Tigers made 81 moves, which is a little under 30 a year. The, the, the Giants made 150. Wow. So Scott Harris is not a guy who's going to sit and, and be complacent and, and deal with mediocrity for long. That was one of the biggest problems. The, the Tigers have had 15, 14 guys put up a negative one war season since 2016, which is like the fifth highest in baseball. They just let bad players continue playing. 
That's not what Scott Harris is going to do. So if he sees guys in the, the roster that he doesn't like, they're gone, and he's going to try the young guys. So I think we're going to see something like that. Yeah, and, and that's something that I'm glad you bring that up, too, because it was something that I was doing some, I stumbled upon Trace Thompson's numbers down mm-hmm. Toledo in terms of fly ball rate. It was extremely high, but yet the Tigers didn't give him a call up. Again, and I'm not going to be, I'm not that guy. I'm not the, oh, Trey Thompson would have done the same thing here. No, no, no. I'm not saying that because he had other chances. He had a chance in San Diego, and he didn't do anything. He, he also played with the White Sox. But there's some, I think that he's going to be less patient than what the previous administration did. Because I look at it this way. Yeah, for example, Adrian Rodriguez last year down in Toledo had some really good numbers. Tiger, why did he just sit there the whole time? Why did you wait until this past, last month to bring up Brendan Davis? There was a reason why you put him on your 40-man roster, but you did nothing with that. I, I, I didn't understand. And if it was the, the please the gods in Toledo, okay, fine. But still, you have other candidates in mind that you could have put in there. You could have put in... John Valentine or Johnny Va- or Johnny V Johnny, yeah, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny three Johnny three hundred yeah. just to uh, we'll let other people talk just to that point in those last three years the Tigers made six waiver claims Brendan Davis is the only one they ever brought up to the majors the rest of them were just AAA like just in case Ali Sanchez and yeah Sam Watson that left-handed pitcher for the Pirates like I totally forgot about Sam Watson they just yeah the Tigers just stuck with guys way too long so anyway I didn't let the other guys talk oh no I was just gonna say the the, the, the rule five guys I keep Perez Meadows. Of course, Andre Lipsius, and I'll then venture further and say, look, if you look at the current 40-man roster right now, there's a couple guys, like, I think Lipsius could take the place of, if they're not going to bring back Willie, I mean, I think they have, like, Willie Castro, but does Roger Clemens fit the bill right now? And they did add, on the 40-man, Michael Pipereski, who they picked up from Cincinnati. They also are, they got Jermaine Thales, too, they, they, they picked up, too. So they have some guys already in mind, but I think... I think having another pitcher like I said Olsen, so I said four. So yeah. I think those four right there, and I, I give some possibility. And there was some of the name that you really were fond of, in terms of who I saw down in Erie. And it was you mentioned Elvis the Alvarado, Alvarado, but I'll, I'll, I'll venture. I think he's not going to get picked up. This is why it would be fine. I like the Tigers at least take a look at what they have in Brendan White. Yeah. I thought Brendan White and Adam Wolf were big parts of the Erie's bullpen last year. And Wolf, who changed his arm angle, he dropped his arm angle from like a mid to almost lower 30, a three, four quarter angle, became a better pitcher out of the bullpen. He was, he, he was able to throw a little more velocity too as well, but they more likely won't be picked up. But who knows? I mean, there's, there's a lot of creative teams out there that might look at these guys and go, they'll look at them the same way we will. Who knows? Yeah, and, and I suspect that even if they don't get added to the 40-man roster, for the Rule 5, <laughs> I've had such fun troubles, that that they will eventually get called up. I think Scott Harris is going to be more likely to take looks at guys. The one, one other guy I mentioned in the article, I don't think he's going to get added, is Dane Myers, who yeah. is kind of a utility guy. He's got some power. He strikes out too much, swings at everything. But the Giants, when Harris was there, did a great job with, with platoons. It's, and the Tigers have a very left-handed heavy outfield now, and, and Myers is a right-handed hitter who destroyed lefties this year. So that's just another guy you might randomly see in the Tigers next year. Yeah. So moving on, the other, the other question I wanted to add, the Tigers do need everybody. They need everything. They need pitching. They need outfield help. They need infield help. They need just basically everything. I'm just summing it up pretty quickly. So we mentioned some names last week, so I'm not going to get into too many of the names because well, the only names, that, there's two pitchers I wanted to bring up to you guys as candidates for 
just kind of rebuild or kind of like interesting options. Chris and I, without subconsciously doing this, thought of Mike Clevenger. And the other one I thought was Jarrell Cotton because Jarrell Cotton is in the giant system right now. If you look at his numbers on baseball savant, in terms of slider, his changeup, bat, batting against, he's in the red, which is good for movement. And it's a bullpen arm that you could add who can also start. He was a starter at one point, too. But I'll start with our, our, our panel from the external panel, if you will. Chris, is it, Castanelli, is there any names out there that you like that maybe maybe low-key on the free agent side of things that you want the Tigers to take a look at? Clevers is a good one because I, I think that I haven't seen him yet that fully healthy. He's had kind of an awkward year. I, I think that when you look at the current makeup of the Detroit Tigers, when you look at what has made Chris better work, up to this point as a pitching coach. I think that is, and I remember when I interviewed Scotty, talked about that. So strong. That's that's philosophy. And he throws strikes by having It's been a minute, and the injury set him back. But I like high upside guys now, especially when you're talking about a team that's coming up in the season. You want to get the best you can to try to and Mike Clevenger, for a period of time, he was a short-lived window, but at his best, was a top in baseball. I think on a one or two-year deal, with considering the years he's had this year, I think that would be a wonderful to see if he can hit Mike in the bottle. And hey, next year's team, ideally, you don't want this to happen, but if he has a wonderful year, all of a sudden, you're looking at his trade date. Too. I think you could probably be a four for fifth starter. Youper, what about you? Well, it's just going to be an interesting offseason in terms of, we talked about this before, is Harris going to swing big at all with a, with a blockbuster trade or free agency? Or are we going to see a lot of small trades where they're trying to just get 1% and 2% better with, with each move? We don't know, and we won't know until this winter, and we'll see what happens. But players that I like, if they do, on the smaller side, we may do some of both. I do like Stone Garrett out of Arizona. I think he's a right-handed bat for the outfield to platoon in some places. I like Riley Adams in Washington. He drives a lot of walks, backup catcher. They could pair him. They're both right-handed. They could pair him with, with their costs. They need some right-handed bats. So he's somebody that's probably wouldn't cost a lot to pay. And then in free agency, Drury. Brandon Drury is going to be out there. And if uh, if uh, Jimmer's gone, Jury could be the third baseman. 
All right. I like that too. That's a, that's a good option too, as well. Scott, what about you? I mean, again, you being creative as you are with some of this, we, you mentioned some names before on the show. So what, what about you? Yeah, no, I, I like Drury so much. That, that was my pick. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's, oh, I, I know like for real though, I, I brought that up on the show a couple of weeks ago and I fell in love with the idea and then he, he doesn't necessarily fit the super high walk rate bill that I think we're kind of maybe even prematurely putting on like Scott Harris guys, but he everywhere he's gone, he's slugged like he, he's a thumper and, and he's going to for a team that was historically inept when it came to slugging and when it came to hitting home runs like, yeah, I, I, I that's if it's only one or two dudes in the lineup, I'm OK with the low walk rate if it comes with a 500 slugging percentage. Like, I'm going right. to be chill with that. And, and that's the type of slug that, that he can potentially bring. I, I mean, 30 home run guy. And yeah, like you said, if if Jamer's gone, especially like he, he can go over and th- play third. And even if Jamer's not gone, like he plays multiple positions in the infield, like it, I don't know. Imagine replacing one of your like, quote unquote, utility infielders with like the the willies and the heralds with the of the world with a dude that that has a 500 slugging percentage like i don't know that sounds pretty cool to me so like that's that's very much one that i that that i have i've convinced myself of a couple of weeks ago that i really want to happen and i will be disappointed when it inevitably inevitably doesn't yeah and you're in in the realm of possibility where you're realistic where it's uh, for example somebody like Dansby Swanson was out there with a 9.77 war season. That's not going to happen. I think we've even, I think it was speculated that they're going to kind of stick to maybe eternal and see what they have and and, and go from there. And as much as like, I I thought Colton Wong, if they don't pick him up, if Milwaukee does not pick him up, look, look, you're doing it. I love Colton Wong. I love Colton Wong. I'm doing, I'm doing like the, uh, you do a snow dance for your kid. We want like the snow right, snow day. Exactly. That's what I want yeah. on that too. But he's got an option, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, the club option. Though. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, I mean that's to do with a good defensive history, good offense for the, that position. Yeah. Love Colton Wong too. Love it. Chris, what completely random note? Completely random about snow days. It snowed today for one thing. But I, I learned this year that people put ice cubes under their pillows. What? To hope for a snow day? Have yeah, you? yeah. I, I'd never heard that before. Me neither. Is that like a young thing? Yeah. I've, I've heard of that before when I was in school. I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah I wonder no. who started that. Just, yeah, I'm going to put some ice cubes under my pillow. I feel like that's a bad way to sleep. It's like sleeping, like, so wait a minute. It's like literally sleeping on a wet blanket. Like, yeah, why would you want to sleep on a wet blanket? In the winter. If you yeah. get, sounds like <laughs> fun, dude. If yeah. you're getting a snow day out of it, I guess it's worth it. But yeah, anyway. But yeah, so. <laughs> Is that some homespun spin there? <laughs> no, I just, I just heard about that. But the, the, the one thing, you know, it, it all we have from Scott Harris right now, other than the two waiver claims, and, and I can't say Papierski without doing it in like a Chicago accent, like <laughs> Chicago Mike Papierski. We, we have that, and we have what he said at his, his press conference, which was, we're going to dominate the strike zone, but he also said he wants Detroit, they're going to sit down and they're going to make a move by move by move by move, and at the end they hope to be a better team. And he said he wants Detroit to be a destination where players feel like they can get the best, they can maximize their potential. And that's what they did. In San Francisco, that was where Kevin Gossman got right. They they brought in like Drew Smiley, they brought in Alex Wood, they brought in De Scafani, they brought in tons of guys like that. And, and that's why we mentioned Clevenger, right? Because he's a guy who had a down year. He's got good years in the past. And even Carlos Rodon, you know, they they gave him a one year prove it deal, basically with an option. And that's what I see them doing here: going and getting guys. I, Sean Manaya is another one who had kind of a down year. Maybe you can get these guys on a a one year deal for 10, 12 million or something like that and see if they get better. And it's kind of a better version of what the Tigers were doing back in the day where they would sign Ivan Nova 
in Mike Fire is just throwing the darts at the wall and hoping one of these guys is going to pop and you can trade him for something. I think that there's, there's an element of that to, to their, their process, but I think they also are smarter about it and are aiming higher. Yeah, and I look at an example, uh, although he didn't finish the t- year with the team, is Jacob Barnes. Jacob Barnes signed here because he, the Tigers were able to identify a pitch for him that worked, and that's why he came here. And that was something that I remember in the offseason, that, that Barnes was, can you guys fix me? And, and of course, the, the Federer effect raining mm-hmm. down and everything. But, no, it's, it, there's, there's something to be said about that. And the reputation that the Tigers are establishing right now that's been long the Tiger, like even this goes for the Lions too. Well, no one thinks of destination city. Detroit's not a destination city. I'm sorry to tell you, you're gonna yell at me, whatever. I don't care, but it's not. But if you make it, how can it can be a destination city if a player gets better there? And it's just like a simple little thing. It's nothing against mid, my Midwestern sensibilities. I'm born and raised here, but you have to give somebody a reason to. You've seen that with the Pistons right now. You've seen that yeah. with the with the Wings right now. That homegrown culture that. And that's taking some time, but again, I know Barnes is a weird example of that, but no, I mean, yeah, that's the idea. You, you want Detroit to be one of those organizations that's known for player development. They're not right now, and that's what Harris wants to do. But it's going to take some time. But I feel like that's kind of the the, the direction they're going to take in free agency. We'll see what they do with with position players. I, I haven't been able to suss out any real pattern there. Yeah, I mean, Mike, excuse me, Zremski, Mike Zremski is an example mm-hmm. of. They saw something there, and I would love to see the minor league numbers he had lifting lift the ball. And well, so here's here's one that I want to talk about: Darren Ruff. Darren Ruff. Darren yeah. Ruff was a minor league free agent signing for the Giants, and he had a really good season. And then this year he was okay, and they flipped him to the Mets for four players: two useful big leaguers, J.D. Davis and Thomas Zipaki, and two legitimate pitching prospects. Darren Ruff. They got four players for that, and he went off and, and sucked. Awful and, and for, for the Mets, they they got more for Darren Ruff than Alavila got for like all of his big trades. It, it, yeah, it's so it's it's it, yeah Darren Ruff. So I, 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 that's probably not going to happen every year, but it's it's a sign that that maybe these guys are are going to be a little bit smarter than what we've had going on. Yeah, that that definitely the case. And it, it, well, let's get back to Castelli for a moment on that. So that Darren Ruff deal. I know you've been covering more than the national side of things. That was there, that was that was one of the biggest swindle jobs that we've seen. But that's an example of, of a good player development. But I want to get your thoughts about in terms of what you see the Tigers, the Tigers kind of making strides and what you've seen this year. And I'm going to ask Bentley the same question too. Is there some sort of progress among player development that you've witnessed yourself this year? Not yet, but that has nothing that's got to be on. It's got to go. This is going to take time. A month. I think that the one big thing is one thing that's going to be all of us is there is a very I want to be able to brought up this. I want to be I want to be I want to be able 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 to that's not 
because like obviously we all know Federer is is incredible and and so I, I think and this is something that Chris and I have Castellani I keep forgetting we have two Chris's have uh, have talked about before and like the the development effect that Chris Federer has had another Chris there you go it, within this organization it cannot be like overstated like he 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 has been unbelievable and and you see that was my biggest takeaway on the developmental side of things this season was once these guys got to the major league level and as chris brown pointed out earlier they didn't strike people out like i think their starting pitching strikeout number was the lowest in all of baseball i'm pretty sure they had the fewest amount of strikeouts from starting pitching in in all in the sport and yet it didn't matter. And they still had like a somewhat salvageable starting rotation ERA. And like, we, we all know that they got pretty good production out of their pitching. And that's because Fetter was able to, to utilize the most and get the most out of all of these young players. I mean, Alex Fiedo, if you would have asked me in April, what Alex Fiedo's future was, I would have told you bullpen. Like that's, he's going to be a two pitch. He's going to be a fastball slider, two pitch mix bullpen guy. And then sure enough, he comes up to the majors and has a couple of like 16, 19 whiff games and like was, was, was starting and going into the sixth inning and whatnot and, and putting up quality starts. And you're like, okay. And, and I, I, the players are, are obviously who deserves the most credit with all of that, but like it, it can't be overstated how important Chris Fetter is. And I, and I don't think that you see that Alex and I, I know injury and whatnot, and he, he's got his own stuff to work on still, but. I think when you look at the Fiatos, you look at the anyone like take <laughs> take your pick really. Any of those young starters, you you have to. It all goes back to the developmental side of pitching, and that I think kind of starts and ends with Chris Fetter. And definitely, you, I was with you on that too, Scott, about Alex Fadio. And the same thing, like to a certain extent, I thought about Wentz the same way because yeah. based off of him coming off the Tommy John. But I feel like he's developed a little bit better. Wentz has shown me quite a bit. And even the, the, the other thing, too, about the Chris Fetter effect is Garrett Hill. And I asked AJ Hinch about this. 
when he Hill started getting uh, out of the bullpen, he started putting his hands over his head to wind up, and it was a, such a big difference. And I, when I was noticing that, I was like, well, it, 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 even just look at the velocity numbers, like, wow, that's a, it's a stark difference because Hinch was talking about he couldn't bring his hands together. And then if you notice, he, when he pitched out of the stretch, he struggled because he wasn't able to do the same motion, repeat the same motion. You want your mechanics to be the same, and that wasn't happening. So that is another example of that. They, they, they noticed that he couldn't collect his hands together to pitch. And so I, I, know, I think that's really cool to see that. And it's, again, it sounds like common sense. It really does. But there's so many things that happen in a baseball game. Yeah, I mean, we talk about player development. Player development happens a lot at the big league level, and, and arguably the most important player development happens at the big league level. You, you develop to the point where you can get to the big leagues, and then you have to develop a lot to stay. You mentioned Garrett Hill. Joey Wentz developed a cutter this year. The cutter made a huge difference for him because he had he had a decent changeup, good fastball, and a curveball that just wasn't working for him. But now the, the cutter gives him a little harder breaking ball. It's a short short break, but it gives him that option, and, and he's been – much better since he developed that. So just little things like that that end up making a huge difference. And yeah, that's 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 Chris Federer's direction. So we we feel good around uh, around that. Get a hitting coach who does the same thing, and then maybe we'll be in business in a couple of years. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's it's still a lot to consider with the offseason. This will be the probably uh, we're actually going to probably next week will be or this week we're gonna, we're going to take a break and. Uh, Enjoy the last couple of weeks of postseason baseball before we get back because right now the Yankees in Houston's playing. So I'll let everybody get back to the game and watch that. And there's a ton of, I mean, there's hockey on tonight. There's football. It is, what did you, you say earlier, Scott? It was a. Uh, All four sports are yeah. happening today. Yeah, I forget the name Sporty. of it. But yeah, there's, there's, I think there's golf. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't think that was it. But I mean, there's like golf on too. But yeah, I think it's what, 27th, 28th time ever that there's all four sports going on in the same day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and Nelly uh, will. We'll, we'll let you get to Mississippi and LSU. I mean, you're going down the Baton Rouge tomorrow. And is this your first time? Is, is it is it LSU's Death Valley, right? Is that the call to LSU? I think so. Okay. <laughs> Which gets a little bit strange, but uh, I'm really looking forward to going down there. It's a lot of travel. There you go. The weather is nice. Has fun stuff. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Hey, Chris, is Broom there with you? Yeah, he's right. He's playing. What, what, what do you guys have on Papa Conte? <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's working on it right now. <laughs> oh, gotcha. All right. Well, I'll look forward to that. No, but yeah, Chris, just make sure you stay hydrated down there. I mean, I know it's going to be the change of weather and everything, but also I, I expect a lot of people to be friendly to you and, and buy you uh, several. I know they, they sell Hurricanes drinks in the drive-thru over there in New Orleans. Don't shock me. Yeah, down, or excuse me, Louisiana. But uh, yeah, either way. Again, Chris, all you can find him at anything at Barstool Sports. He is... A guy that I, I honestly, like, he does a movie podcast. He does a little bit of everything. Some of the stuff he's been doing. The My favorite thing you did was drinking the wine in Chicago. And you're like, it, it, the post-game show. That was my favorite because it was just like, eh. <laughs> I think the White Sox or Tigers one, you're just like, all right. And then just, <laughs> that's, that's some class. But thanks so much for joining us. And 
Uber, I know that again, I'm apologizing with this new stuff for us. Is there anything you want to promote you got going on with Motor City Bengals? I just have a bunch of different articles in the works. I have one I'm going to be putting out probably this weekend about just how far from winning are they. Because they made a step forward in year one under Hinch. Year two is obviously a disaster. But what do they have in place? What three or four moves could actually put them over 500 All right. And uh, Scott, what do you got? No, no, I was no because I was trying to think about the, the throw them out lockdown wings. You're doing lockdown revenues right now. The, the, the hockey season's full in fact. You're still doing lockdown tigers every day. What do you got coming up for the, the revenues? Yeah, I mean, it, exciting start to the season. Obviously, this is probably the, the most. I would say that this team specifically probably has given this city the most hope that like there might be a competent franchise happening. And, like, this season specifically for the Wings. So, super exciting start there. Yeah, Locked on Wings, Locked on Tigers. Also, I don't take lightly that all the, every single Locked on Tigers host in the history of the program is on this panel right now. I don't oh, yeah. take that lightly. Yes. Yeah. So, it's, it's, a, it's a nice little, I, yeah, right. I swear there was someone before me, but I don't know. I, I, I swear there no, wasn't. No, man. There wasn't. I, no, there wasn't. I swear. I don't, um, yeah. But, yeah, no, it, it's... You know, a lot of we're doing off-season stuff over there, player breakdowns, and then when free agency happens, obviously that'll be a big, big uh, take up for us. But yeah, the locked on wings, fun time for sure. Yes. What's, what's up? I was just gonna ask, what's your preferred name for the 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 Elmer Soderblom line? So we actually had Ken Cal on the show, nice. and he was the one that was like, "I call it the Redwoods line," and I'm pretty simple. Ken Cal says I do, so yeah. like, there you go. That's what it is to me. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot because it's it's a big line and it makes a lot of sense. And it's got red in it. There yeah, you go. exactly. Yeah, and, really yeah. cover every base. Yeah. And it, it covers that cliche of getting bigger on the blue line that we hear every year for bigger the Wings fans. That is like the the hot ticket item thing. So it's the biggest line in the history of the NHL. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, in terms of size, yeah, it's crazy. It, it's insane. But uh, yeah, so we'll be back in two weeks. We're going to take a much needed break. And uh, just kind of, like I said, examine this situation, the, the free agency, minor league, excuse me, even with some of the minor league stuff, there's going to be some content coming out over at TigerMinorReport.com. Chris is dropping an article for Woodward Sports, and I'll be dropping something, too, as well, in, involving Dave Dabrowski. John on the ones and twos over there, thank you so much. Uh, thanks to Chris, another Chris. We have yet another Chris. We have James, Jeremy running the technical directing side of things. So for now, yeah, this is our last kind of uh, hurrah until November. And we thank so much for everybody listening. We appreciate it. And uh, I was going to say something else. Oh, go to worldwordsports.com. Check out all the great content. And gear. And gear. Yeah, go to the shop. So now you go to the shop and you can buy Woodward Tigers gear. I should probably buy some. You should buy some. Yeah. You you had an employee discount, so take advantage of it. Yeah, take advantage of it. Well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Woodwardsports.com. All the gear, all our our stories are out there doing a good job. So we have some fancy articles coming out. Maddie's covering the Lions, so plug, plug away. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk.